0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 82, and we're reviewing Ranking of Kings part two. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I'm excited to talk about little buddy buddy, little Boji.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's been a while. I think this was part one of Ranking of Kings was our first episode for 2022, um, although it feels like it's been a while since we've seen our our best boy Boji,
0: yeah, I know because we've had ranking of kings going on since two seasons ago because it was a twenty four episode anime. So yeah, it's it's one of those ones that feels a little bit longer, but it's twenty four episodes. Seems pretty standard um mm-hmm. if you're tuning into this part two review and you have not listened to our part one review we highly recommend doing that that's episode 68 ranking of kings part one on strictly anime and then coming back to this discussion so that way you have full context around you know what we talked about in the first half and what we liked and, and didn't like spoiler alert we love
1: <laughs> Hmm. best boy for 2022 I'm already locking it in.
0: <laughs> um, but before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of Ranking of Kings, what's been going on with us this week? I feel like it's been a pretty quiet week until the, the weekend. You actually just got back like an hour ago from an event.
1: Yes. Um, I. You can probably tell by my voice I'm, I'm a little bit exhausted, <laughs> but I do have a cup of coffee here to energize me for our Ranking of Kings talk. Uh, but yeah, I... Was uh, musical accompaniment, or I guess like background piano music for an event in the Chicago area called Ube Love. Um, it was at this local Filipino coffee shop in the in neighborhood of Portage Park, Valoria Coffee. Um, the event was put together by I think there was it's a, a clothing brand called Chicago for Keeps, as well as a, a Filipino run bakery called camellia bakes which coincidentally is my sister camellia <laughs> is the <laughs> one who runs that business uh so yeah they asked me to provide like i guess you could call it like lounge piano music um it was me and then a dj and then a, a filipino local filipino hip-hop artist who provided all the music uh, it was a fun event um a lot of Filipino and ube-inspired pastries. For those who don't know, ube is like a, a purple yam. It's a pretty common like ingredient that's used in Filipino delicacies. Uh, so lots of... they had Lots of purple stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and even the coffee, they had a an ube latte, which was pretty good. And, of course, Camellia Bakes makes a lot of ube macarons and, and pastries.
0: Some of you might be familiar uh, with... Camelia bakes. Uh, we posted, I think, for your your last your birthday last year. We posted a cake that she made on our Instagram. Yes, which uh, I surprised you with. It was a cowboy bebop themed cake,
1: mm-hmm. all
0: red on the outside, and I think it was ube on the inside.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> it left our our mouths pretty purple after eating <laughs> the cake. Uh, but yeah, the food was delicious. The coffee was great, um, and. Yeah, I, I played a mix of like uh, Filipino music. They call it OPM, o- Original Pinoy Music. Uh, I think I snuck in an anime song or two. Uh, did you
0: play my t- dress up, darling? Because you were practicing <laughs> like the last couple of nights um, for this event, and yeah, I mean, you were playing. You were playing Hunter Hunter. You were playing my dress up, darling. Which ones did you end up playing at the event?
1: Um, I, I did not play dress up, darling. Oh, um, I. Th- no kyun 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 no i didn't think it was right for this crowd but i think i did like a a very melodic version of departure from hunter hunter i don't think anyone in the crowd caught it uh, even though it, it was a mix of like millennials and like older like filipino relatives who were out to support their their kids um but i did get one compliment from uh from a customer i guess uh who complimented me on the cardigan i was wearing and it was actually the tanjiro cardigan that i purchased from steady hands i think we talked about this actually we talked about this in one of our pre-shows for our patrons um so it came in last week or so and i decided to wear it because i thought it was pretty trendy
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you got a compliment on it there you go yeah that's what makes it all worth it i wish i was there um for anyone who's wondering i had a a prior engagement so i couldn't be there but um i wish i was that would have been fun so next time you play piano at an event i'll be there so that i can get you to play more anime music yeah i'll <laughs>
1: sneak in more as i learn more ops and eds from our favorite anime
0: well on my end my lazy ass has been uh, playing a lot of video games the last few days. Um, specifically, Lost Judgment, which you got me as a gift, and I've been wanting it for a while since they announced it. Um, I've been wanting Lost Judgment on PS5, and I love it. Before that, I was playing Triangle Strategy. I did finish that. That was a lot of fun. The gameplay is fucking addictive. I'm gonna. It's gonna be one that I pick up again. Um, you know, down the road when I need to kill time or if I'm traveling because. I love the the battle style. But Lost Judgment is so much fun. And I don't understand why I've never played a Yakuza game before. For anyone who's not familiar with Lost Judgment, I think it's like in the Yakuza universe, made by the same people who make those games. Sega. Yeah. Right. And um, it stars Takuya Kimura. He's the main character. And I fucking love it. I, I love this game already. I'm not that far into it. I've, I've probably gotten like... 5 to 8 hours in, but it, I feel like it's right up my alley. I feel like I'm in Japan when I play it first of all. Mm-hmm. I was showing you um you can go to Yoshinoya and eat beef bowls, like that's that's pretty awesome. You can go to the kombini and get onigiri and all sorts of things, bento, all of that fun stuff. Um I find the story to be interesting. The the uh the game mechanics are, are again right up my alley and a lot of the trophies are kind of like geared towards completionists like myself and being a completionist i also love to platinum every game that i play so Mm -hmm. this is one i could see myself um, getting platinum getting the platinum trophy for um but yeah i'm enjoying it thank you for buying it for me
1: you are most welcome i i haven't played any yakuza game either uh but so because while i was at the the event this this morning uh you were sending snaps to our confam snapchat group and I saw one that had sh- shown, like, the Yoshinoya menu options, and I thought you were playing Triangle Strategy still, so I was very <laughs> confused why it was mentioning Yoshinoya. But then I realized, oh, you're you're probably playing Lost Judgment. Yeah, uh, Triangle Strategy would not have a Yoshinoya <laughs> <yeah>. in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a... Unless the Yoshinoya was isekai or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when I went home, you were, we were still in the midst of playing it, and you were showing me around the the prefecture that this game takes place in and yet it it did bring back memories of of being in in tokyo uh and i know this isn't like a a gta game but I, I, (laughs) i i'm surprised like they didn't include common elements in open world games like like stealing cars, although I think the well, he's a detective. The, yeah, the protect- so... Well, you know, he's like, I-, I need your car for this case. Um, <laughs> There's
0: a skateboard, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But I,
1: I guess it's because you know, uh, in Japan, most people just either walk or use the train. There's not much use for like uh, automobiles. Yeah. Uh, but it just got me thinking, like if if they were to make a similar game uh, for like the for Grand Theft Auto like if it took place in a in a location like japan i would love to see that although this game again with all the elements of japan in it obviously it's made by sega a japanese video game developer i think they they nail the feel and the culture of japan pretty well i just like when you went into like the konbini um that you get the options for all the the different items you can purchase. And you just have a nice image of like the drinks or the onigiri or, or the steamed buns and it just makes you, it makes me wish that I were in a konbini right now.
0: I know, I, man, we, we were supposed to be, I think we told the story before, we were supposed to be in Japan for the Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, for um, understandable reasons, uh, spectators ultimately weren't able to go, so our tickets were refunded um, for the Olympic Games. Um, But I mean, that was like three years ago, so we've been trying for like three years now to go to Japan and this this definitely didn't help the situation because now I, I want to go to Japan even worse than I, than I have been wanting. Um, but yeah, again, like this is this is a game that I'm I'm definitely going to platinum. I'm, one thing I'm frustrated by, though, and I know this is common in a lot of games, but I hate it because I don't ever replay video games. The only way to get the platinum trophy is to play it on New Game Plus, like play a second full run through of the main story on New Game Plus or Legendary mode. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get every other trophy and then I'm not going to replay the main story again because mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to have to. Otherwise, I don't get the platinum.
1: Yeah, I'm not really fond of New Game Plus. Probably because like, you pour so many hours into the initial run of a game and going through its story and, and completing it that you you're too exhausted to just pick it up and try it again. I think that's more for... Like the completionists who who do want to get all the trophies, but I I don't see myself ever wanting to tackle a new game plus.
0: Yeah, well, to that point, I am a completionist. I'm a collector, but I don't even want to play a second run through this game. For me, it's like I enjoy the experience that I had with it initially, and I think going through the story again just kind of would make it boring because I already know what to expect. And no amount of, you know, carrying over your skills or your items or whatever really makes the second playthrough that enjoyable for me. I'm just like, I've already done this. I don't want to do it again. Unless it's a game that I'm obsessed with. Like any of the Zelda games, I could replay those a million times. But probably not something like this. It's kind of like with fucking um, The Last of Us too. I, oh, yeah. I platinum that game, but I fucking hated the last trophy because you had to play like 60% of the main storyline again in order to get the platinum trophy. So I had to go through like half of Abby's story and I fucking couldn't stand it the first time around and I have to do it again. It was mind numbing. I did it. I I'm proud of myself for sticking through it, but I didn't want to have to do that. But all in all, I'm really enjoying the game. I think this is going to open my my uh, my doors for the Yakuza series, because I've heard that it's very weird at times, and I love weird shit. I think I should have picked this up a long time ago, because I've been missing out.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Matt from Otaku Melancholy Podcasts, he always tweets out, like, at least once a week, like, this is a reminder to... to- play yakuza or something
0: <laughs> i know i see that too and i was always wondering like what's i it looks fun but what about it is like really appealing well if this is a taste of what it's like to play yakuza now i get it <laughs> i'm yeah. so excited so i'll i don't know i guess i'll keep everyone posted on how lost judgment is going and we'll see if it if it uh cements me as a, a p- potential yakuza fan
1: and of course you can live vicariously through the characters that are roaming around the streets of tokyo since we currently can't do that. I guess that's a that's a nice plus for these games is that they can take you to real-world locales that you normally wouldn't visit. Yeah. Or you would need to plan the time to visit. It's so. like
0: that escapism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, on the anime front, um, I guess a couple of updates there. I recently finished The Case Study of Vanitas. Thank you again to Samaria from our Discord for the recommendation. I really liked it. I hope there's a season two. It's not for everyone. I think I was telling you, I don't think you would like it just because the show can be very, like, shonen at times. Um, it does get a little spicy at times. It is, like, things are very romanticized. Well, I it's, like
1: things spicy sometimes. But this is
0: like... <laughs> I feel like there's elements that just wouldn't appeal to you. Um, it does take place in Paris, so as you can imagine. like There's a lot of fashion elements, um, like dessert culture, all that fun stuff. But I thought the story overall was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the characters, especially Noé. I love Noé. He's a great character. Um, so that one I've got checked off. And I'll just wait around to see if there's a season two. I also finished my love story this morning. <laughs> I've seen that one around hmm. forever um i think most people probably know my love story and i committed and i binged it and it was great it was so fucking funny i thought it was like just as funny as the devil is a part-timer which to me is one of the funniest anime i've ever seen but it's like different because it's a rom-com versus like a reverse isekai story but i enjoyed it i showed you a couple of clips from it i think it was just stupid fun Um, oh
1: this is the guy that looks like sugar rush from my hero Yes. (laughs) I was like, what's my love story? And then I I, I made the connection.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought that every single episode was engaging. I get why it seems to be like a somewhat of a classic and people still talk about it. And there was nothing else. There's no OVA. There's no season two. So you just have the 24 episodes and you move on. And I I loved it. It was great. Um, I also started Guilty Crown. Which I've heard a lot about. It's okay so far. I'm a few episodes in, still kind of waiting to get fully hooked into it, but uh, the premise seems interesting. And then we've got Platinum End, which keeps lingering on our list. We have like Mm. barely made a dent on Platinum End. I think we're nine episodes in. And the last time we talked about it, I think we were probably about eight or nine episodes in.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know, that show's gonna take us an eternity to finish just because it's not engaging. I, I'm contemplating whether or not to drop it, but uh, I, like now I'm I feel like I don't want to drop all these anime that we've picked up like I want to complete them through the end, even though that's kind of you have to do some really. Really good time management with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, there is always the option to put it on hold. <laughs> That's basically
1: the same thing as dropping. I
0: know. It. It's just dropping it temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's on there. We slowly chip away at it, um, but it's not getting any better, so it's going to be a bit of a task. We also have officially started Bleach. We have. Well, okay, it's on our watch list. We still have to watch the first episode, but I'm counting say. it. I'm <laughs> counting it as like we're technically watching it because we are. We're going to wa- We'll probably watch the first episode in like a day or two and like officially kick off our Bleach watch. So three hundred sixty six episodes here we go
1: (laughs) an episode a day for like a whole year yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i did try to get into bleach back in the day when it was um you know at its peak at its prime i probably got i don't know like less than 10 episodes in and ultimately dropped it i know my sister was a big fan of it our friends are you know fans of it and i figure with the newest season coming up later this year why not start it now? We, we're definitely not going to finish 366 episodes in time for season two, but I at least want to get a sense of what's going on so that, you know, hopefully not too long after season two concludes, we can at least pick that up.
1: That's just mind-blowing that 360-plus episodes and they considered consider that a season one. And That's how it was <laughs> back in the day, yeah. <laughs> so season two comes out 10... Plus years later (laughs) this is mind-blowing to me
0: i know now with anime i feel like at least on mal they'll split it up not only based on like seasons like like short 12 episode seasons they'll even break it up on cores part one and part two like 86 part one and two technically i think that's all one season it's just two cores and then Mm mal split it up same with stone ocean uh i don't know this is a very interesting shift that we're seeing here but yes we are officially kicking off bleach We'll, we'll keep you guys updated on how it goes. Um, this is going to be a, a long haul for sure. But um, with our recent wrap-up of Hunter Hunter, hint, hint, uh, we decided to pick up another big shonen, and Bleach was the choice.
1: Yeah, and I do recall watching the first episode many times uh, when I was in high school, because I had the, the the DVD of the first like four or five episodes, and, wait
0: there's a DVD with only five episodes on it you know
1: like they would come out in volumes oh and my so, god
0: how many how many I DVDs are there that if there's 366 <laughs> episodes that's like okay I'm not gonna do the math but that's a lot of DVDs for one show
1: yeah and so I just had the one and um I I, I, I liked the first five episodes but I just never got around to finishing. Finishing the volumes. Well, you'd
0: probably have to spend a fortune to get the rest of the episodes. Yeah, so thankfully
1: there's streaming services now, so I don't have to worry about um, pinching pennies. Pinching
0: pennies. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I I watched that first episode numerous times. I kind of remember the scenes that play out, and I think I watched it in both sub and dub, although I think for this run-through, we're going to stick with doing it subbed
0: yeah i mean like i said i started it back in the day i watched a dub because everyone did i think johnny young Bosch does ichigo's voice um mm-hmm. but i'm not married to it our our rule is always you know if we have like a strong connection to the dub like we do with bebop right or with Trigun, or um i don't know samurai champloo then we'll watch it dubbed but if we don't have a strong connection either way then we'll usually go with sub plus That'll be nice when season 2 comes out because we can we'll have consistency in the voice acting, assuming they bring everyone back. Any other anime on on your end that you're watching, started, finished?
1: Um I finished Akemi's Sailor Uniform. Oh yeah, what did that you was, think about that? Um I know you had dropped it, but I did. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to continue with it. It's a it's a feel-good anime uh, for anyone who really likes those feel-goods that there's really no drama in it um, and it just everything so happy-go-lucky hunky-dory but I think that's why I didn't particularly enjoy it so much um, because Akebi who is the the main character this this girl who attends like a, a boarding school and is known for her unique school uniform uh, she treats school like it's the best thing ever, every single day, <laughs> and <laughs> like the reality is like you're gonna have ups and downs with your your primary education. Uh, so I wasn't too fond of like her idealizing these things and just everything in that show was so pleasant. And again, if if for people who are into that, I think this show is for you. It's just that for me personally, I would have wanted more out of it. But I finished it. The, the last episode was pretty good because it does involve uh, something musical. And I, I do love, well, like I gravitate towards those things whenever I see them in a show. Um, other than that, it was okay. I think I gave it a, a 7 on Mal. Because uh, I, I still had to commend uh, Cloverworks for the phenomenal job they did with the animation on the show.
0: Yeah, I got two episodes in and I knew it was going to be in like the seven to eight range in terms of like a, a, you know, solid Mal score, but I couldn't get past two episodes because I have a hard time getting into anime that don't have an ultimate goal or something that we're working towards. And the show didn't seem like there was anything fucking going on. The premise that I read on Mal was like, this girl wants to wear a sailor uniform for and make friends at school she mm-hmm. I mean spoiler alert but it's not really a spoiler she does that in the first episodes then I'm like okay now what and she there, does that
1: every episode oh god so.
0: <laughs> and you're right they she like this anime very much idealizes the world and like even the small things and I get it And I think if if I if there was an end goal I could probably stick with this and and you know watch this fluff and enjoy just kind of like the the therapeutic elements of a show like this because I think it's cute girls doing cute things in the most basic form, like the the, the purest form. This is mm-hmm. the true like cute girls doing cute things. And I can watch that again if there's something that we're working towards. But once I realized that there wasn't like an end goal, I kind of mentally checked out. So I figured, I'll drop it. It's not to say it's not a good anime. I think anyone who watches it will enjoy it, um, similar to what you said. But it just wasn't for me. So props to you for sticking through it and finishing it.
1: Yeah. And again, I don't want like an angry mob of like AKB fans going after me. <laughs> it wasn't for me, but I'm sure it is perfect for other people out there who just need that that feel good in their lives. Uh, I think the only other thing that I uh, was watching this week uh, was actually last night. I I started Ya Boy Kongming, <laughs> which is a Spring 2022 anime. I think
0: Wait, is that the actual? Is that the localized title?
1: The yeah like the, your the, boy Kongming yeah. is a localized title the, the, the <laughs> japanese title is like paripi kome uh Kongming is i guess the uh i guess like english version of the name of a chinese military strategist and back in the feudal times or, or whatever like the uh ancient china <laughs> like the, that timeline um Kongming is this all happens in the first episode by the way so it's not really spoilers, but Kongming has reached the end of his life, and then when he passes away, he gets reincarnated as his younger version. But he ends up in like the the Tokyo night scene, and so oh my God. It's very fish out of water. And it, it, it's it's kind of like uh, a devil is a part timer, where he's he's speaking in in these platitudes, and people don't really understand why. They think he's just a a Kongming cosplayer, but yeah, he he. <laughs> He ends up uh, meeting this, this girl who, who aspires to be like a, a music idol. And so I think the show is just going to go through their, their relationship and how he navigates through like the Tokyo night scene. Uh, so it was a pretty good first episode. they are two out currently. Uh, so I think this might sort of be my comfort anime going into spring
0: it looks really funny and i've seen people on twitter post uh things about Kongming being best waifu of spring 2022 oh really <laughs> i don't I know can, <laughs> i can see that
1: he's very he's very supportive i'll, Interesting. I'll say that <laughs>
0: well yeah let i guess keep us posted on that one because if it's if you think it's good i might pick that one up too because i do enjoy weird shit and that sounds fucking weird mm-hmm and then in terms of uh, JoJo updates, we have shared this before, but figured it'd be helpful to share it again. Um, if you are a JoJo fan and whether or not you've joined us over at Strictly JoJo, just a reminder that Stone Ocean had an announcement um, that the second core of the anime is coming out in fall 2022. So over at Strictly JoJo, we've concluded our part one Stone o- or first core Stone Ocean review series. And so now we're kicking off our Stardust Crusaders review series so if you enjoyed part three of jojo if you love Tarot, if you love the joe bros join us over there every other monday as we talk all about stardust crusaders up until fall 2022 when stone ocean comes back and then we'll switch back over to jolene
1: yeah i think the first episode for part three our discussion uh should be out the same time as this episode uh so definitely check it out and you know even though we have to take a, a short break from jolene We can still have our our year of Cujo by stepping into Jotaro's shoes. It's going to be fun. It's going to
0: be great. Part three. I mean, the amount of memes alone that come out of part three, we've got our work cut out for us, but it's already already great. So yes, join us over at Strictly JoJo if you want to hear us talk all about Stardust Crusaders. So now let's get into Ranking of Kings. And you bought me a latte earlier from that event you went to, and I don't do well with caffeine. So if I sound (laughs) like I'm like... I don't know, on crack or something. (laughs) It's probably because I don't react well to caffeine and I drank a whole latte and here we go.
1: (laughs) And I'm I'm, I'm kind of going on like a a down, what do you call it? A downward spiral, is that what you're going to say? downward spiral, but like I... We're
0: uppers and downers, basically. (laughs) I'm the uppers right now and you're the downers right now because you had a long day. (laughs) I'm
1: trying to keep my energy up with this coffee, so I will do my best. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I think our listeners can probably tell there's a difference between your peppy <laughs> voice and my kind of like drawl. I am
0: wired <laughs> as fuck. Every time, I don't drink caffeine often because again, I don't react well to it. But the few times I do, I think I'll be okay. And then as soon as I drink it, I'm like, why did I do that? It's kind of like when you get fucking wasted and you're like, this is great. And then afterwards, you're like, why did I do that and never doing it again? And or then the you next, and do it again. Yeah, the next day you
1: just <laughs> feel sore. <'cause> you- <laughs> sore? <laughs> I will, like, when, I, when I drink, I feel like I am... Like a, like Superman, and I can do anything, and so I <laughs> jump around or like run really fast down sidewalks, and then the next day I wonder why my muscles hurt.
0: Yeah, well, the last time we got drunk, you uh they opened up the pit, and you were moshing.
1: oh that's right. And you were like
0: shoving other people. So <laughs> there you go. That was why you were sore that time. Yeah, that was um,
1: for our friend Aaron from Under the Bun. Um, his his band show uh, from those ashes. Yeah. Good time, yes. but it, it, <laughs> I <fucking> felt <laughs> it. I felt that the next day.
0: So let's get into it, buddy, buddy Boji. What were your overall thoughts on the second half of Ranking of Kings?
1: Yeah, I think we we made comparisons to the first core of Ranking of Kings, feeling like a a sort of fantasy Disney film. I think it shifts drastically in the second core, where it feels like. Uh, a, kid, a, a quote unquote kids' version of Game of Thrones with the level of <laughs> blood and and violence and even like the, the the political drama of it. But I thought it was a pretty convoluted power struggle for the throne. I don't even know if it was really a struggle for the throne, but um, like the the pieces were coming together as we learned that Miranjo is really the mastermind behind everything and it's linked with uh, the return of boss and we learn more about their relationship but even with these pieces coming together i feel like the bigger picture is not made very clear uh but the one thing that like i i enjoyed out of it is with everything coming together it's all meant to just go back to showing Boji's own sense of power and his own sense of worth as a formidable monarch for the kingdom.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think the strongest part about this entire show is Boji and his story and subsequently, mm-hmm. you know, Kage and and the way the two of them kind of navigate everything that's going on in this clusterfuck of Ranking of Kings. Um, I would say the other storylines are interesting. Um, I think the downside of the second half, if you're really like a hardcore Boji fan, is that Boji takes a little bit of a backseat so mm-hmm. that we can get more context around King Boss and Moranjo. Maranju, Moranjo. And And uh, that whole thing. Um, but I, I still enjoyed the second half a lot. I, I would say... I enjoyed the first half more just because it did focus more on Boji and had mm-hmm. more of this, this sense of wonder to it um, and adventure. The second half did feel a little more Game of Thrones-y, a little more yes. like a political drama, but it wasn't bad by any means. I just, I think I, I resonated more with the first half. I think ultimately the biggest issue with the second half is pacing and the timing in which... In- critical information is introduced around backstories and about motives and things like that. That's where it certainly falls short. Um, and it actually kind of made some episodes feel a little bit frustrating. And I'll certainly talk through all of that as we go episode by episode. But just kind of upfront, I feel like that's where th- things fell a little bit flat. But overall, I-, I love the second half. I love the show, I thought it was great. Um and I, I think that Bulgie is just such a fun endearing great character that's very unique um and overcomes obstacles in such a different way than what's expected in most shonen anime.
1: Yeah, I would say like the first core is kind of like the the training arc for Boji. And yeah, then, like here with him taking the back seat, it it like you said, it does feel like Game of Thrones where it, it's you have all of these different characters and and allegiances, but then they all start coming together and uniting under one cause, which is against uh, Miranjo's plans and and the resurrected boss's plans. But I think the way that the, back to your point about the second core revealing critical information, especially with Miranjo's backstory, I think that's a, a primary focus of this. Is it just feels so jumbled, and I I still can't put a picture or like a a clear timeline of how she went from like point A to point B. Yeah, I know like point B, like the final thing is her having boss return, um, so he can achieve his goal of of being like the strongest man in the world. Uh, but like even with trying to clear that, I think we have some qualms too about maranjo herself and how her story ends up she's
0: a very divisive character Mm -hmm. very divisive like at the end of this the show or uh, the season i don't know at the end of the second core you either are okay with maranjo or you fucking hate her i feel like Mm -hmm. that it's very split um and i guess we'll talk about you know when we get there how we feel about her um but let's let's jump into it because i I do want to I want to, like, go into more detail around the specific moments in each episode where these pieces sort of fell flat again around pacing and, to your point, around when information is revealed.
1: All right. So hear ye, hear ye, dear listeners, as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Ranking of Kings Part 2, which is the 2022 anime adaptation of a Japanese fantasy manga series by Sosuke Toka, produced by Witch Studio and directed by Yosuke Hata. In the second core, Boji puts his newly developed combat skills to the test as the kingdom is turned upside down with the resurrection of King Boss and the masterminded schemes of the maiden in the mirror, Miranjo. In episode 12, The Footsteps of War, the anime Game of Thrones has begun as a gang of escaped do no gooders from the underworld are summoned by the mirror bitch, Miranjerk, to the kingdom to throw Discount Big Boss in the dungeons and keep him in check. And, of course, with a group of hot-headed hooligans, a power struggle begins as the exiled monarch Kingbo is skewered to pieces by Feral Knight Oaken. And oh, can he skewer the best of them! So, right off the bat, to discuss uh, the OP and ED, the OP, we hinted about this in our Part 1 review, It is the song Naked Hero by Vondi. I think you were a little more fond of this than I was.
0: So at first, I thought the song was like the OP. uh, Okay, I thought the song was okay, probably because it's drastically different from the first song. Um, I think right off the bat, I was like, holy shit, the animation, gorgeous. Insanely good, super smooth. And it actually felt like I was watching a Jujutsu Kaisen OP. It had that same vibe, right? Like Mm. watching this op felt like both the first and second ops of Jujutsu kaisen um but with boji essentially and i i loved i think the most powerful moment in the op is how we get the parents shown we get Bebin with the snake and then we get kagi kagi kage with his mom and then we get queen healing hugging boji and crying and that was wholesome as fuck Mm But as we watched um, more and more episodes, I would say the song really grew on me, especially in, you know, going hand in hand with the imagery, because every time I hear it and then watch that, it just feels powerful, emotional and intense, like a very different feeling again from the first opening that was very adventurous and uplifting and, and cute. This one gets a rise of emotion out of me just feeling like the the deep emotion connected with everything that's going on like i i think the best part about the song is when the drums hit every time those drums hit i'm like let's fucking go you just feel mm. the power building in the song the images get more and more um emotional and yeah i don't know i just it grew me very fast i think i just don't like the breathing in the beginning yeah. <laughs> that's what annoys yeah. me he's like <gasps> and then he starts singing
1: <laughs> yeah that end. Like just the the, the raspiness of his voice is what I can't get over. Uh, but I, I will say, like the the song, something swells in you as you're listening to it and you're watching. Yeah, it's a good word. Swells. Yeah, and you're watching these visuals, which are uh, encapsulating the the entire. I called it. I called it civil war. It's not really a civil war, but again, like this this Game of Thrones feel with the second core. Uh, <laughs> sorry what the about, fuck was that it just Rigby? made a strange sound <laughs> was well, he
0: dreaming oh my god that scared been. the shit out of me <laughs> um
1: but yeah like obviously which studio or wh- whoever created the op of the animation in it is gorgeous i too love the 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 scene between uh boji and healing as she's embracing her i guess you call it her stepson Right.
0: Yeah, I love how she just says he's my son, and I don't Mm -hmm. think she does it in a way that that's her trying to take Boji's mom's place. I think it's just saying the mantle's been passed on to me now because she's passed away, and I am I'm tasked now with taking care of this boy. Mm -hmm. And now that she's grown, very connected to him. Um, she is pretty much his second mother
1: yeah and so I I just love the dynamic between the both of them in the show and I love that they they included that dynamic here in the OP Um, but for as much as I I don't like the the singer's voice too much uh, the the lyrics surprisingly for this OP um, Crunchyroll when we, we watched it on Crunchyroll and I think this show was originally on Funimation, but now that they've merged, like Ranking of Kings is obviously available on the Crunchyroll service, and they included the translated lyrics on screen, which was a first. Uh, but I would always read them, and it, I think the song pretty much captures everything that happens in this core, but also summarizes um, figure or like us wanting to really learn what Boji is really capable of. Uh, some of the lines I pulled out or shake off the power that comes from malice right now the hero doesn't need power give me enough light to protect them the shadows are closing in asking what are you and this always or this goes back to what i said in our part one discussion is how ranking of kings all i feel like it revolves around the theme of perception especially how with like the, the ranking of kings that's used as a sort of barometer and figuring out whether or not boji is fit for the throne but the song is kind of saying like right now the hero doesn't need power like there are other ways for boji to emulate what he's capable of and what he he can do so that's one thing that i do appreciate from the song is are those like lyrical connections to the theme and the ed which is called flare by millet uh, I'm familiar with Millet. I don't know if it's Millet, <laughs> Potato, Potato, because uh, she had done the ED, one of the EDs for Vinland Saga. Although she sounds very different in this song. With I love ED. her
0: Vinland Saga ED song. Mm-hmm. It was it's fantastic. This one's pretty good too.
1: Yeah, so it, she definitely has a a wide range in her musical stylings. Uh, this song. It was okay. (laughs) I I didn't really pay attention to this one as as much as the first ED. Uh, I I do like that the visuals are kept in this sort of storybook style, and it's mostly of Kage taking care of Boji. Uh, I love the part where he he chases after the paper crown that he made for Boji, Uh, and it just shows how devoted this this blob is to to (laughs) to our our best boy and that's even highlighted in the song um, kind of showing how much uh, Kage really believes in Boji and is there for him some of the lyrics I pulled out from this are be the first to shine even when others laugh because I will be holding your hand I will be singing for you and waiting for you so this is definitely I would say it's sung uh, from Kage's perspective
0: yeah, I, I, I like this, ED. Um, Nothing really blew me away about it, but I, I agree. I think the the storybook, sort of like stop motion look to it is appropriate. Um, it's stylized. The song had this hopeful, inspiring feel to it. The end part where Kage crowns Boji is really, really cute. Um, just seeing... I, I forgot multiple times that that crown is made of like fabric or something and that Kage made it for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like that they kind of acknowledge that once more in the last episode yeah it's it was it was nice i don't have much to say about it but it was good in terms of the actual episode we got a six minute recap which was unnecessary but okay <laughs> like yeah. i just i don't like recaps i just don't think they're necessary in which, the streaming age
1: it's weird because i think the second core picked up right after the end of the first core. yeah so it was like
0: like oh like maybe a week or two if there even was yeah. delay i can't remember but yeah six minute recap like okay i guess that's fine um. Really, the only thing that stood out to me about this episode was Despa's fat horse, which was oh, yeah, so funny. <laughs> like he is committed to that horse and will ride it to the kingdom, even if it makes him late. And you know what? As a pet owner, I get it. Like <laughs> I understand.
1: I think uh, his steed was called White King, but it yeah, got it's, fat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a while since Despa has gone out in the battlefield um so i like that comedic touch as well um i think the only other thing with this episode is we we get the the bandits the six bandits which i think in at the end of the first core we saw them surrounding king boss who is now reincarnated through dida uh like i know there, there's king Bo and a lot of these other like forgettable bandits in the group yeah Although, i don't
0: remember any of their names except yeah. for okan
1: and then there's Gigan, which we'll get into later. Oh, right. that guy too. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the only other one I could pick out is I think his name was Zelku, which he kept. He reminded me of like the live-action Mario from the Mario Brothers, the really old Mario Brothers movie. Oh God. <laughs> because yeah, he he had like the the mustache and everything. Uh, I don't really see what the point was with the bandits. I thought like they were really only there to just set these chain of events in motion uh i, th- I guess there's more point to like gigan and oaken and Kingbo because we'll, we'll later see like there's a there's a bit of a rivalry between Kingbo and oaken but like part of me just thought they weren't necessary other than just getting from point a to point b kind of like a plot device essentially yeah and I think, yeah, that, that was really the only note I had from this episode. And, of course, getting to see Miranjo intending to bring this kingdom to ruin. <laughs> in episode 13, the kingdom in turmoil, healing and her knights, led by the queen's shield Dorsh, arrive at the battle but face heavy resistance from Miranjurk's forces and feral pet beasts while Domas and Hokuro sneak towards the castle's underworld entrance. A piece of shit, as much of a miranjerk simp as he is, allows the queen an opportunity to escape, although Mirror Bitch isn't particularly happy about that as she is stolen away by the Super Mario Bandit. Meanwhile, Okin goes on a GTA rampage in the kingdom's town as Despa and the Underworld forces arrive with Best Boji and Kage in tow. Wanting to avoid a confrontation between the Feral Knight and his own apprentice, Despa sends Boji to protect his mother while they fend forcefully against this formidable foe.
0: So I think this is where some of the pacing started to feel weird. Um, one of the first things I noted was that the pacing felt a bit disjointed in this episode. Like there were awkward pauses or long stretches between moments during the fights. And this happens in a few episodes throughout this core. Um, we also get kind of like like a pseudo information dump where there's a lot of little hints um, or puzzle pieces being dropped like for example we find out that we get more of a sense that Miranjo seems like obsessed with king boss um that a piece of shit <laughs> does mm-hmm. kind of feel guilty for betraying his friends but ultimately wants to follow Miranjo for some reason yeah um, why is that i think it's because is she he helped like him gain strength okay so yeah. it's
1: like he he feels indebted to her
0: yeah essentially okay. because he was a piece of shit <laughs> warrior <laughs> before um so now he's strong because of her guidance or whatever um what else we get the the hint or i guess the uh, confirmation that Miranjo killed bulji's mom and that giants can only have one child which does play a key part into you know why dido was born um and then just one of the big questions i have and i may have brought this up in the first part but like physically speaking how did boss and healing have a child? How do they conceive a child, a, a regular sized Whoa. human with a giant? I'm just gonna pose that question, but I don't need answers. I just, you know, just, that's a question that's out there, but we don't need to talk about it. You know, <laughs> let everyone just stew in that yeah. one.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of this grotesque, uh, sexual this joke in Family Guy. Oh, uh, <laughs> involving Quagmire and one of his uh, like one night stands. I don't know if you... Or maybe it's a different character. I, I won't get into it. I'm just, <laughs> just imagining uh, what that looks like. I mean,
0: I'm sure when they wrote this story, people were going to be questioning like the physical aspects of this relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, how, how can you not, right? Um, but yeah, anyway, so <laughs> that's something that's still out there. Ultimately, though, the every moment i get of healing throughout the show is just great particularly this episode i i love her i think she's a great classic sunday character with a heart of gold um here in this episode she stands up to the challenge of taking down boss rescuing daida and then also you know refuses to abandon is it dorsh or dorshi because i know in the japanese pronunciation they say dorshi but is it actually dorsh
1: i pronounce it dorsh um, douche <laughs> I know but she's that's, not a douche. that's she's why a I say kid. dorshi because it sounds so much like douche
0: uh <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say dorshi because that's how they pronounce it in Japanese but we didn't we, we need to watch the dub just to confirm how to say some of these names but anyway dorshi and Anne, um she refuses to abandon those two and she just time and time again proves that she's not your typical like mother character or um I don't know how to, like what like supporting character she she can hold her own and I really enjoy that
1: yeah, to to make more comparisons of this show to Game of Thrones, I thought originally that healing was going to be like the, the Cersei Lannister of this show.
0: That's what I thought too. Yeah,
1: but I think like throughout the show and especially in the second core, healing has just changed our impressions of her, which just goes back to the whole thing of perception being a, a key component of ranking of kings. And just with her character showing, not everyone is as they seem, uh, which overall makes the show more intriguing. Uh, That's
0: literally every character except Boji. But even yeah. then, Boji has like, I think on the surface, I, I said this in the, in the part one review, but on the surface, Boji's the only character where we feel confident we know who he is right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But even then, he still falls into the theme of perception because his power and abilities surprise us once he is under Despa's like, tutelage.
1: Yeah, I, I would say like he's the only character in this show who continuously wears his heart on his sleeve and you always know what his intentions are. It's just that everyone around him still has to warm up to that. You know, I, they all come to that realization, thankfully, by the end of this this core. In episode 14, the return of the prince. The prince has returned.
0: Where's that? Is that from Aladdin?
1: No, it's from the Lion King. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Rafiki, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> king has returned. Oh, okay. No, uh, like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, just Maybe a I was
0: thinking of Prince Ali, fabulous uh, Ali Baba. <laughs> slight
1: paraphrasing there. Uh, but anyways, right before Dorsh and Healing can succumb to their battle wounds, Serpent Savior Mitsumatabishi comes to their rescue and takes a near-fatal blow while fighting Hulk's bandit cousin, Gigan Chad. Best Boji and Kage arrive in time to replenish Healing's healing mana bar, while the Petite Prince wins over Gigon Chad. Back in town, Despa's battle against Olken rages on as he calls upon Desha for lightning air support, though his sovereign sibling approaches the castle's underworld entrance with the intent to crash this royal party.
0: So again, this episode had weird pacing, but it was still super cute with lots of feels. Um, by this point I was getting incredibly confused by boss and I feel like I'm still not clear on him as a character by the end of this, the show, um, here he wants to rescue healing, but then stops himself last second when he remembers Moranjo. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, What the fuck? Are you a good character? Or are you not a good character? <laughs> like he's the, I think he's the one character coming out of the story that I cannot pin down at all because let's just think about this and I'm going to be jumping ahead a little bit here. But Boss, I believe, want, you know, decided to sacrifice Boji's giant power mm-hmm. um, in order for him to be strong. And he bears that guilt um, and has that regret basically for the rest of his life. And that's why he says, like, after we made the deal with the devil or that demon and I stole Boji's power, I felt empty. So then I think, if I'm understanding this correctly, Moranjo, once Boss started to get sick or whatever, um, decided to influence him to have uh, to take on a second wife because giants can only have one one baby. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to bear Dida, so that he could steal Dida's body and continue to live. But I don't think Boss was privy to any of this information. So I think Miranjo kills off Boji's mom, mm-hmm. opening up that opportunity for uh, for healing to marry um, Boss and then bear Dida. But again, I don't think Boss knew any of that, right? So as he comes back, he realizes what Morando's ultimate plan was, which was to use Dida as a sacrificial pawn to bring himself back. So now he realizes Morando did the shit under his nose and, or like behind his back. But instead of siding with healing who's innocent in all of this, he sides with Miranjo, <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand. Like, Do you care about your second wife at all? Or are you just like, I married her because Miranjo influenced me too and then I didn't actually care about this woman?
1: Yeah, I don't know or I don't remember if this show makes clear whether or not uh, th- a boss is under Miranjo's spell in a way.
0: I think, because I think in one of the later episodes, Moranjo says, you know, it was of my own volition that I decided to use healing and Dida to bring back Boss. Um, because I, she assumed this is what he wanted. She wanted to make him happy or whatever and continue to be with him. But mm-hmm. then I think she realizes later, like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So I think the only part of Miranjo's big plan that Boss was not privy to and that she you know she went up behind his back was after his death everything that happened after his death um which kind of fueled of course you know her getting him to marry healing and everything i think i think
1: so you're wondering like why he he doesn't like he he doesn't decide to go against miranjo
0: yeah it's like this mm. bitch is like bringing you back i mean yeah i guess that's nice of her right like clearly he doesn't mind being brought back to life and continuing to live with her, um, but I mean, does he not have a heart? Like he's he's in his own son's body, and he's okay with killing off his second wife. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm <laughs> yeah. just like I don't understand. Like so, where are you in on on the spectrum of like good to evil? Where are you? I don't know anymore. <laughs> like you feel guilt about taking Bulgie's power, but you don't feel guilt about stealing Dida's body. I don't understand. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's another case of him somewhat feeling indebted to Miranjo just because of their history and Well, yeah, cuz he killed that, her father. Right. Yeah, so there's probably like the, the guilt that that weighs on him uh, with all the effort she made in bringing him back.
0: Okay, yeah. That okay, yeah, that maybe that does make sense and maybe that's why in this episode he at first wants to rescue Healing but then mm-hmm. realizes or remembers Moranjo and then stops himself from saving healing. Yeah. But in my mind, it's like, wouldn't you strive to find like the better solution where you can save healing and Moranjo at the same time? It's like he just gives up and says, well, I, shit, I guess I got to sacrifice healing because I, I would care more about Maranjo. Like, Why not try to find an option where both of them can live? He just stops. He's like, well, I guess healing has to die.
1: Because this is putting his power in question. And I think that's the point. (laughs) Well, when when we see what uh, Boji brings to the table. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like what
1: what sort of responsibilities a, a king needs to undertake. Yeah. But here he's like you know i'm fucked anyway i'm just gonna take this path
0: i kind of feel bad for dida like i don't think boss cares about his second son as nearly as much as he cares about boji
1: i mean he he was there just to become a vessel like that's his whole purpose yeah (laughs) (laughs) um
0: but with the the rest of the episode uh boji hugging healing and them having this really cute reunion was incredibly precious i love healing so much um, we get backstory around Boji trying his best to help stop that fire, um, only to be put down by Dida. So we see, you know, like, Dida didn't always treat Boji in a good light, you know, like most people did. Um, we also get explanation, uh, I think this is the most important thing, we get explanation on Boji's ability from Despa that he, he gained through Despa's tutelage, um, where he can cut through the spaces in between molecules to break stuff or defeat enemies, and i fucking love this concept. I love it so much because i could have just said, "Oh, he became strong so he can now pierce stuff," right? Mm. But that makes no sense because Bulgy is not physically strong. His strength was stolen by his father.
1: He so- basically knows like the weakest spot to to thrust that
0: yeah and i mean like literally that probably is a stupid explanation right like no needle nose sword is ever going to be tiny enough to cut through molecules like this is bulgey yeah in a literal sense he can
1: do anything
0: you you (laughs) gotta suspend your or suspend your disbelief Disbelief, in these situations but yeah i think that's a, a really cool concept to work work around just saying you know like the typical expected shit that oh despa made him strong so now all of a sudden he's he can hold his own in a fight. Like, Despa didn't make him strong. He just taught Boji how to use the abilities he already has, which is dodging um, and being very precise in his movements. I think that kind of plays into his ability to dodge. He can also be very precise in how he fights with his needle-nose sword. Is that what it's called? A needle-nose sword or a needle sword? Like a sword? fencing sword. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was that was great. Because I was waiting for that explanation in the first core and when we finally got it i was like thank you that is a very satisfying um
1: in universe explanation yeah
0: exactly i I was i was okay with that i thought it was good
1: i was just glad to see bulgy in action i think he was pretty absent for the first what how, how many episodes have we gone through two or three um but here we see him with his his powerful fencing sword uh taking care of business (laughs) yeah uh the other thing i I love with this episode is kind of similar with the situation before uh with the serpent uh, mitsumata you you see boji visibly upset at the, the fallen beasts that were originally attacking the group uh and healing takes notice of this and just like she did with mitsumata she heals them which which pleases boji and everyone starts to realize that these former enemies were under Miranjo's spell. And so they, they seem right in the head, especially with uh, Gigan. Um, And I think that shows the quality of Boji where he has this respect and, and care for living things uh, because I think it boils down to these beasts who were under Miranjo's control were misunderstood and that's kind of reflected in how boji is perceived by by these characters and by by the kingdom so i think there's a little bit of empathy there with boji and i i think that's one definite strength in probably trying to assess what his true ranking is among the kings is um his his empathy in that sense
0: yeah, I thought it was kind of random at first that Gigan just decided to follow Boji. But yeah, I think the point was that he is a- Boji's able to lead others despite not appearing to be strong. He fi- he'll find a way to become the leader that everyone wants to follow.
1: In episode 15, The Order of the Underworld, Best Boji, Kage, and Gigan Chad go ahead of the Queen and towards the Underworld entrance where Dumbass and Hokuro are fervently fighting back Desha and his forces, who seek to round up the escaped underworld prisoners and knock some sense into Discount Big Boss while they're at it. Poor Boji has a breakdown at the sight of his mentor-turned-traitor, but musters enough courage to stop the fighting while Desha breaks the news of who the real enemy is, Mirandrik, the malicious mirror bitch. I guess this is where the bandits come into play because Desha's trying to retrieve them. And at that, or like while he's doing that, he wants to take a swing at boss. So, yeah, but
0: like, okay. (sighs) So, this is again where like pacing doesn't quite make sense. The fight in and of itself felt slow and drawn out because there were all these segments of talking in between. It's like they would fight for 30 seconds and then there'd be this like batch of dialogue. And you know, I get it, it's not like a full on fight. Domas is just trying to prevent them from going up the stairs. But I needed just to fight and then talk. I just, I was like, stop talking. Just let the action happen. And then we can do all the information afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, some of the pacing, just like with some of these fights, it just feels really strange the way they interject dialogue, like long batches of dialogue in the middle of what's supposed to be a battle. But then with Desha, I don't understand. He, he wants to take over Boss's kingdom, first and foremost and use the under the guise that he's trying to get back all the criminals but then in this episode or the next episode he's just like well never mind we're going back to the underworld
1: it's because the i think it's the next episode despa like in, in their telekinetic communication tells him just have like this is bulgy's fight or whatever just have him take care of it
0: Okay, I guess that makes sense. But then, why did Domas and the other guy go through with burning down the like the doorway to the underworld? If they had Dutch's agreement, why burn down the doorway? Don't you even need to get the criminals back there anyway?
1: Yeah, this is again where the 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 the, the puzzle pieces are in place, but the the picture isn't very clear. Unless- yeah. They know. just wanted to just seal that for good. So something like this doesn't happen again.
0: And then Desha also reveals that he wants to make Moranjo pay with her life. Why? Did we get clarity on why Desha doesn't like Moranjo?
1: Um, because
0: Desha's whole thing, him and Despa, their whole story is about Okin, And Okin fell. Like they, they're, the three of them wanted to defeat their father. Well, they defeated him. And then Okin fell under the curse of immortality. So like what is Desha's connection with Miranjo? I don't I don't think I caught that like if they even explained it.
1: Uh, I thought I took a note of it in an earlier or maybe I didn't. Yeah, I don't know what the connection is with Miranjo. That wasn't like that's another thing that was just very muddled. Um, maybe that's
0: an open thread line for because I think there's a lot of open thread lines that we'll talk about um, that could play into a season two because I believe the manga is still serializing, publishing, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's still ongoing.
0: So maybe that they're just dropping that hint, and then that'll come back later. But that was confusing. I just felt like, to me, episode 15 and 16 almost didn't need to happen, because Boss tells Domas and the other guy, go burn the the entryway to the underworld. Desha's coming. Well, Desha already came out of there, and they convinced him to go back in, yet they still burn it down. So I'm like what was the point cuz Desha went back anyway. <laughs> you just you just needed to talk to him for 2 seconds and then he went away. And then um
1: well I they think they just still wanted to carry on with the mission. And I and I think it like I said earlier to prevent something like this from happening again.
0: Interesting. Well, I guess now Despa can't go see his
1: brother. <laughs> or like they Des, Despa just has to take the same route that he did with the underworld cap. Remember they they came in from a different like entrance
0: true that fire pit that boji felt fell into maybe this is like the the direct route to boss's kingdom
1: yeah like this was a shortcut that they didn't want to leave open maybe Hmm.
0: okay well i don't know that's fine
1: and maybe a listener (laughs) out there can can clarify what the connection is between uh desha and miranjo but not
0: if it's a manga spoiler if they actually didn't explain it in the anime then i guess we'll leave that as an open plot line but i i i am worried that maybe i missed it in subsequent episodes i'm not sure
1: yeah i think <laughs> my brain is so frightened <laughs> that i can't think of, of of whether or not this show had mentioned it um you know talking about like the pacing of this whole core i was trying to think like what other thing recently have we watched where i felt the same way and it's the chimera and arc From Hunter, Hunter.
0: Oh well, I I think, okay, I think in terms of pacing. Yeah, that's an extreme. Yeah, that's more egregious than what's happening here.
1: But just like how everything is so disjointed because you're you're going from from one group to another, although this is trying to connect like Domas and Hokuro to, or like Boji from going from healing over to Domas and Hokuro. Uh, Yeah, it was. There's a lot going on still until. All of these parties end up together in one place uh, in a couple more episodes,
0: and I'm okay with that. I- I'm okay with having you know multiple parties doing different things all at once and kind of bouncing around between them. It's just like the pacing with each of each section. It just I don't know. It just feels weird. Something about the pacing feels weird. The way they balance dialogue and action. That's what it boils down to.
1: Yeah. Um. The thing I took from this episode is. How we see Boji unsure how to process his emotions because he, he sees that uh, Domas is there and even though he, they are technically on the same side now, he has that trauma from their previous encounter or the previous time they were together.
0: And I love that. I think that's super realistic. Um, especially for you know a young adventurer like Bulgie who hasn't gone through, I mean he's he's faced adversity for sure. He's he's faced you know not like ridicule, but people just not being on his side. But um, this guy
1: fucking pushed him down a, a chasm. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and
0: so for him to be traumatized by that because it was somebody that he trusted mm-hmm. with his you know whole wholeheartedly, um, and then he betrayed Boji, I I think that's great, and I think that's how it should have been with other characters. I I. Again, I'm jumping ahead, but with the way Miranjo was just forgiven by everybody so easily and so readily, yet Boji couldn't forgive Domas for one large, very large mistake, right? Um, you know, even though he had a, a very long history with Domas, a, a strong connection with Domas, I, I feel like that seems weird, right? Like, nobody knew Miranjo, mm-hmm. and she fucking killed people and betrayed people and did all these horrible things and they're like it's okay we'll forgive you because you're gonna marry dida but here it's like more re- more realistically Bulgie's like i have a hard time trusting you domas because you fucking tried to murder me and that's another question i have um because i know this was in part one it was very vague what fueled domas to do what he did so what am i what i'm gathering here is that dida probably said something to domas that made domas feel pressure to kill Bulgie because Boji was selected for the throne, right? Yeah. But it's not directly shown that we never get Dida coming out and saying, please kill Boji. It's more like, where do your loyalties lie, Domas? Mm -hmm. Like, just kind of hinting that he should do this. But then nothing else comes of that. I kind of almost wish that Domas would confront Dida about that or admit, you know, I was influenced by Dida to do this, but nothing really came out of it that's another thing that i kind of wish was explored a little bit more or explained a little bit more
1: yeah i think we're just we just have to accept that you know Dido wasn't of the right mind because he was under miranjo's influence and that's what sparked this whole chain of events that's true um and you know domas wasn't thinking clearly and clearly underestimated boji in comparison to daido's power but through a different lens of how he views power uh and so i'm sure he's trying to make like he's trying to make up for or make amends with boji realizing that he he made a grave mistake uh but i love that with boji being unsure of how to approach aligning with domas again it showcases another different kind of strength that boji has which is the strength to forgive a former transgressor despite like the severe trauma it gives him and that's not always easy like I'm, I'm i know there's a lot of real life situations where it can be hard to forgive someone that's wronged you so significantly but that i think what boji does here by stepping in and stopping all of the fighting between desha and domas and hokuro it's it's a really powerful statement as to like how strong Boji's conscience is.
0: Yeah, and I think it's Kage that tells Domas, Boji's not going to forgive you right away. You need to earn his forgiveness. And I'm like, damn right, you tried to murder him. You should mm-hmm. have to earn his forgiveness. But then again, it just begs the question of why didn't Miranjo have to earn anyone's forgiveness? And what she did, I think, in in totality is far more intense and egregious than what Domas, Domas did. It's, it's still bad. right? I'm not trying to justify what yeah. Domas did. But if you have to compare the two situations, I just think it's crazy that Miranjo gets forgiven. But we'll, we'll talk more about that in the last episode.
1: In episode 16, Royal Majesty, Best Boji recalls a memory of Miranjurk ordering his mother's death in cold blood. But our petite prince stays in the moment and protects Gigan Chad from being taken by Desha, as we learn that Hulk's bandit cousin has a pretty legitimate vendetta against the underworld king. With some convincing from Despa, Desha decides to back down and retreat while ensuring Gigan Chad's safe passage, leaving Boji to go up against his big daddy. Unfortunately, Despa and the Underworld captain struggle to go up against Okan, who has broken from their binds in a bid to bloodily boot their behinds.
0: Holy shit, the way Boji's mom was killed was brutal. That whole scene was so incredibly brutal. Mm-hmm. She shields him with her body and... And then those giant-ass arrows pierce her multiple times, and she bleeds to death at the point where Boji is standing in a pool of her blood up to his legs. And he's a little baby Boji. <laughs> he has the big fat cheeks. But, like, oh my god, he's so young.
1: But now I'm thinking of, there's that meme where it's that big guy. The guy shielding
0: the other person from <laughs> <Yeah>. the arrows. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that's, that's more hilarious. But here, obviously, it's a very heart-wrenching scene because boji is witnessing this and it this is another traumatic event that he has to 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 deal with on a daily basis like uh, reliving that
0: yeah and it was all maranjo it was a hundred percent maranjo mm-hmm. she she ordered all of that um let all of that happen and then gets fucking owned by one of the arrows i guess that was some karma
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, we'll learn more about like maranjo's reasons for this it's i think it boils down to the things that People do for love, and this is one situation that we have to consider in determining whether or not Miranjo can be forgiven of something that's this heavy of a sin. Uh, but as as much as we, we get this piece of Miranjo's backstory, like getting all of these bits and pieces, it makes it really hard, again, to clear up the the timeline of what Miranja has been doing, sort of like a, I know in Star Wars there's a term called like the machete cut where you watch all of the Star Wars movies in random sequences. I think that's what they were kind of doing here. Wait, with her what? Star-
0: People watch Star Wars random in random order?
1: Yeah, you know, like there's the Wait, chrono- why? <laughs> because they just want to be fucking crazy. I don't know. Why
0: would you? <laughs> isn't there a very clear order i mean they're 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 titled by episodes (laughs) uh here i'm
1: gonna look up star wars machete cut and what What the fuck yeah there's the i don't understand there's the chronological order which is one two three four five six there's the order in which the 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 films like the
0: release order
1: yeah the the release order of the films the machete order that i'm seeing here uh what is i know we're, we're we're going off track um I'll just read the first. It says you watch episode four, then episode five, then episode two, then episode three, then episode six, and I assume you go to episode one.
0: But what does that <laughs> achieve? <laughs> Is there like, a specific <laughs> set of information that you get if you watch it that way? Mm, I To maybe me, it's, that it's... sounds like someone who's a diehard star wars fan that has watched the movie so many times they're bored of the watch order so they had to make a (laughs) random watch order just to keep things interesting
1: maybe it's the same concept of you're seeing certain things in flashbacks by watching it in this order so that it gives context to certain things in whatever the next movie is you're watching because here with episode three revenge of the sith that focuses on the rise of darth vader and then you have episode six return of the jedi which kind of completes darth vader's arc in a way that's just what i'm saying but then why would you like go back to episode one anyways my point with this is uh (laughs) miranjo's story is just all over the place and it's hard to get a gauge of whether or not we need to feel uh empathetic or like sympathetic towards her reasons for bringing boss back uh especially if, if this is one of the first uh pieces of memory that we were given about miranjo obviously we're going to antagonize her more but what can you make of it in episode 17 the curse of immortality after we learn about Oken's family ties with desha and despa and the source of his immortality and insanity best boji and kage run into a piece of shit back on the surface who has a change of heart and switches loyalty to the petite prince Miranjurk is then left with summoning Okin to save her seeing glass skin from her bandit kidnappers, though Boji arrives in time to have the Super Mario Bandit spared and engages the Feral Knight himself in Mortal combat, Or I guess in Okin's case, Immortal combat. Okay, I think this kind of clears up the connection between Miranjo and Okin. I think Miranjo's just basically using Oken as one of her lackeys. And
0: But that's enough for Desha to say she needs to die? Because she stole her? She stole his immortal brother. It, the way he posed that in, that bit of information made it feel like there's a backstory with Moranjo. Not so much like in current timeline, he's pissed that she stole Oaken, which I get. Like, that's his brother. I understand that. But maybe it was just me misinterpreting the way he said it because I thought, oh, there must be history here.
1: Yeah. I think he was just, he was probably just pissed that she was exploiting their brother. And, and like, I think, desha and despa's ultimate goal here was to to kind of or maybe it was like to use her uh as the vessel for or with the devil to to bring back the bring back Okan's sanity mm, okay so yeah i think it like a soul for a soul basically
0: yeah i could see that we also i mean to that point we also learn about desha despa and Okan's like full backstory and we find out that desha isn't actually the villain which again no one in this show is what they seem
1: yeah and i wanted to clear up a previous goof uh that i brought up in part one of our uh, ranking of kings review is that i think i assumed that okan not or not okan uh that desha and boji were both sons of king boss i remember i brought that up in our last discussion that's not the case here because the, the the lore that we get here is that the Odesha, Despa, and Oaken were sons of Saturn, who was the king of the underworld.
0: Is it like a play on Satan?
1: Oh, oh Satan. It's like healing, right? <laughs> healing,
0: she's a healer.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. I thought it was like Saturn, and they just dropped the R.
0: Maybe. I... But no, Satan
1: makes sense because underworld <laughs> and Satan... Uh, and yeah, he just wanted to have children to 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 get the immortality from I think he was told that the source of immortality was from bearing children,
0: yeah, and in terms of um, I guess oaken the, the, the focus of this episode is Boji and Oken's fight, and i th- this episode is when the pacing gets better, but what doesn't get better even after this episode is the the puzzle pieces of information and the way they're introduced. So pacing got better starting with episode 17. Um, but this fight was fantastic. We finally get to see Boji in action, a full-fledged fight for mm. Boji, where he's putting to use his natural agility, his dodging ability. Uh, he's immune to poison as a giant when that guy like burps in his face and puts all that poison in his face. Uh, oh, yeah. he-, he can strike points with extreme precision using that needle sword of his. He lands multiple hits on Okin. Granted, they aren't effective. Um, while Okin can't land a single hit on him because again of that dodging ability. But best of all, like Buggy has this big dick energy now that he kind of has, you know, more confidence after learning from Despa, where he's got this menacing aura that alerts his enemies to his confidence and his abilities. And this is where we see the payoff for Bugie's character development. And it's it's been a fun ride, and now you kind of see like what he's been working towards uh the the fruit of his his labors basically
1: yeah it's fluid kids show combat animation that's the <laughs> note i took care of of all that but um uh, yeah you made the same points that uh i was gonna mention so
0: and miranjo during this fight tells kage that boji keeps fighting Oken out of overconfidence but kage knows boji the best and he says it's not overconfidence it's because boji knows that if he doesn't stop Oken now then more people will be killed and he even resolves boji resolves at the end of this fight to kill Oken before you know before learning that he's immortal and he can't do that uh, but there's this running theme in this episode in particular about how someone ha- having someone that believes in you brings out the best in you and that's literally boji and kage's friendship
1: and I think that plants a seed in uh, Miranjo's mind where I think after Kage explains that Boji, like he, like he's this hype man and, and Boji always just wants to save others. Miranjo, I believe she has a memory of her her selfless mother. And I think that's where she has a turning, like she starts to have a turning point in her character, especially because she will later find out that she saves uh, Kage, Boji, and despa from from dying
0: yeah Yup. does that fix things with maranjo no Mm, but that's nice i guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) in episode 18 battle of the gods as the immortal combat session rages on bevan confronts discount big boss in his dungeon cell and offers a surprisingly heartbreaking story of Miran Jerk's backstory and the former king's justified indebtedness to the kingdom's number one anime schemer. Healing has a healing session with a piece of shit, and sends him, Hokuro, and Dumbass back to back up her best boy alongside Despa and the underworld captain. Though best boji and his flashy mentor have been left to bleed out by Oken, kage literally overshadows the entire battle and consumes the feral knight to give his own stomach a royal rumble
0: what an intense episode i, I was like yep this is not a kid's show despite what it mm-hmm. looks like this is not a kid's show I, was
1: the, I think this was one of the bloodiest episodes of this core or yeah. the entire show
0: and I also really liked that, and we get this multiple times throughout the show, but I love that healing is not graceful when she heals people. Like, most healers in anime are usually, like, this very cute, put-together character where, like, they're whenever they use their abilities, they look very angelic and you know all magical girl shit here it's more realistic uh because healing looks like she's trying to take the world's biggest shit she is straining Mm -hmm. she's grunting she's sweating and using all of her power to heal someone to the point where in previous episodes she needed to like chug a bunch of liquid to get more you know more of her ability out of her so i really appreciate that there's you know she's not presented as like this graceful character because that's not her character at all she's a sunday she's kind of you know goofy at times um but she puts all of that effort in to you know heal and protect the people that she cares about
1: and that she's not just using this power sparingly like since it takes so much out of her it just shows like her compassion and her care for these people in her life
0: yeah absolutely Um, And then in this episode, we get Maranto's backstory, at least a good chunk of her backstory. Um, But the end of this fight against Okun, to me, was like the craziest part of the episode. They had this really touching moment between Despa and Okun where they're kind of, you know, it's like an out-of-body type of thing where they're talking to each other. And they didn't even finish the conversation. It's just Abruptly cut off when Oaken stabs Despa in the chest. I was not expecting that. Mm. I knew something was gonna happen, right? I knew Oaken was gonna do something, but I figured they would at least close out this like out-of-body conversation that they're having, but they didn't even do that. They abruptly just stabbed him in the middle of it, and I thought that was really unexpected in a in a great way. And then Bojis goes full on berserk and stab or Oaken stabs him through the leg and i was not expecting that either it was just super stab
1: stab stab yeah it
0: was super intense like everyone gets fucking stabbed and granted nothing comes of it because then everyone gets saved like an episode later but in the moment you're like oh my god are these people gonna survive plot armor
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think it that uh out of body sequence uh it it leaves an opening for Oaken to like to have that moment of redemption and then it just rips you out of it reminds me going back to another star wars reference with darth vader and luke skywalker skywalker believing oh he still has good in him and i won't spoil the end of that although most of you should know what happens <laughs> in star wars uh but uh going back to um Miranjo's backstory again this was really confusing like the whole. I think Homa and Yakuza the people I think Miranjo is part of the the Homa I guess you call them like clan or they're a bunch of uh like ma- like they possess magical powers and a uh, Yakuza on the surface they seem like um they're ne- uh not needy but kind of dependent on other people to assist them in things Although under the surface, they're, they're really like a, a greedy bunch. And I think they, they end up antagonizing the Homa because of all like the powers they possess. I think this was just another instance uh, with perception where people and cultures aren't always what they seem to be. Uh, even though like the Yakuza, like they put a witch hunt against uh, the Homa.
0: Are they called the Yakuza because they like the Yakuza? Yakuza?
1: Well, oh, probably.
0: Is that like a play on words? Gakuza Yakuza?
1: Probably, but I I think the point like the point with them is that they're, they're a bunch of uh, sneaky bastards. Sneaky <laughs> so, bastards. Um, so yeah. Here it's 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 starting to develop us empathizing with Miranjo's backstory because she and we got glimpses of this too with uh Daida in the void and seeing the faceless Miranjo of how mistreated she was because of like her her being
0: yeah um it's a sad backstory but when we get to the end of the last episode i have a question that i'll pose that i think we can talk through
1: Mm -hmm. in episode 19 the last bastion discount big boss continues his story to bevan about how he killed not just the yakuza men but the women and children too (laughs) star wars references everywhere who disfigured miranjo out of spite and how he was desperate to save her skin no pun intended back on the battlegrounds okan stabs his way out of kage's body but the big-hearted blob is transported into a purgatory-like world with best boji and despa surprising surprisingly through miranjo's own doing as Kage resolves to continue aiding his best boy instead of reuniting with his late mother, Oken is left with fighting the big four, dumbass Bebin, a piece of shit, and Dorsh, who serve as the last bastion of hope in the anime Game of Thrones.
0: Ah, uh, holy shit. Kage sacrificing himself for Boji by eating Oaken was like a best bro move 100% uh-huh. that was so fucked up when he started quivering in pain and then got split in half like right in front of Boji when Okun cut his way out of his body like just mad loyalty and, and friendship for Boji to do something like that like I, I think that move could rival Kilua's loyalty to Gon not saying that Killua mm. is not like a total <laughs> um, you know best friend to Gon but I feel like this is on that level what Kage did in this moment was on that level Really what Kage has been doing the whole time is on that level of like Kilua and Gon, but this mm-hmm. particular thing stood out to me.
1: Yeah. You're reminded that Kage is part of the, the Shadow Clan, which that like they have assassin like. And Kilua oh, was an yeah. assassin too. Wow. Oh my god. They're the both parallels. They're, they're both their names start with a K. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> <laughs> but I was expect you know, even though Kage at the climax of the previous episode, he he does that that pro gamer move i had a feeling like oaken we've they've established that he's pretty much unstoppable so i i had a feeling that you know kage was gonna get ripped to shreds uh,
0: i think kage knew that too i think it was mm, just a a moment of desperation a moment of panic to do anything to protect boji from from oaken
1: yeah and i like that his loyalty is is put to the test in that like, I guess you call it like, a world between worlds, that, again, that purgatory, where he has the choice of either reuniting with his mother, which means he passes on, or continuing his support of Boji, and it's, it's a hard decision to make, of course, because, like, the only other person that Kage has loved in his life is his mother, uh, but he also f- fervently believes in boji's potential and his capabilities, and they've had this fantastic journey together. And he he decides with going with the latter by saying like he has to take care of some things first before they can reunite. And I just like that his mother doesn't antagonize him for that, but she says like she'll be waiting for him.
0: Yeah, I thought this is great because no one said a word about Baji to Kage. This was completely of kage's own volition where he realizes oh shit i i have my loyalties you know with with boji Bo- he needs me i have to go back and help him like he he i think the only thing that was said to him was miranjo hinted like you have unfinished business in the real world which could mean a lot of different things but the first thing that comes uh, into kage's mind is boji and that just shows how like he's a real one he's mm-hmm. a real one I, I i really enjoyed that and then you get the part where fucking, you know, Boji's mom comes out and she's like, Miranjo, I'm pissed at you because you killed me. I'm going to beat the shit out of you when you make your way over here. (laughs) Um, Understandably so. But yeah, I I think the the highlight here was Kage.
1: Although I think uh, there's a quick scene to Daida in the void. Uh, He's with the, I guess, puppet Miranjo. And you see her hands and her face return to her. And she starts fading away, leaving Daida by himself. I think that's meant to show that this is the start of Miranjo's redemption. Uh, But yeah, then we we get the next episode. You'll see the confrontation between uh, Miranjo and Boji's mother and Miranjo's own mother.
0: The end of this episode was... Like the best part, really, because you have the big four who seemed like enemies in the beginning of the show, and and now they're united against Okan. Because again, no one is what they appear to be. But the fight choreography was great. It wasn't overly splashy with like these wild visuals, like some fights you see in My Hero Academia. This was a raw, gritty fight with fluid animation where you felt every punch and hit. I loved the way that this fight was choreographed and the way it was animated. I thought it was so cool seeing the four of them kind of work in tandem against Oaken And I mean, ultimately they didn't win, but <laughs> it was still mm-hmm. cool to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like the Avengers moment of this episode. Or going back to the Game of Thrones, you have these knights that all were kind of initially at odds with each other and had sworn to different allegiances but now they're united under one cause to take down Oken. Although we know Oken is OP as fuck by this point. In episode 20, Immortal vs. Invincible, Mirandrick transports Best Boji, Kage, and Despa out of the purgatory after a stern scolding from Boji's ghost mom and her own ghost mom, which serves to intensify her twisted loyalty to Discount Big Boss. Back in the real world, Everyone is pretty much mortally done with oaken shit, until Discount Big Boss himself comes in clutch and stuffs the Feral Knight into a boulder, subsequently turning his attention to Best Boji to commence the real anime Game of Thrones.
0: I want to call out one moment where the attention to detail was just great. because um, Sometimes I feel like this bit of information or this, this critical... Piece of Boji gets lost in certain episodes. Um, it's when Boji and Despa are overlooking the river in like the spirit world or whatever, and they see Boji's mom. And Boji's standing in front of Despa. Despa then asks if that's his mom, and he doesn't react because he can't hear him because mm. he's standing in front of Despa. He can't see what he's saying. So then Despa touches Boji's shoulder, and that's when Boji, you know, obviously is alerted to Despa wanting to say something. And Despa says, she looks strong, and then Boji nods yes, because he can read his lips. That little attention to detail was great, right? Because Despa's talking to him from behind. He can't hear anything, so he's not going to react. But then when he, when Despa gets his attention, that's when Boji nods in response. Um, so I just I thought that was great, because sometimes it just felt like Boji's ability to read lips um, kind of overtook the fact that he is a, a deaf character.
1: Yeah, I didn't even notice that until you asked to go back to that. But I, I love that attention to detail um with the way that scene between them played out. Uh it seems like in that same scene, uh Boji's mother, I think her name is Sheena, ends up forgiving Miranjo for whatever reason. Yeah,
0: like why? We'll she talk more like, about that, but God, like why? Yeah. <laughs> you fucking she fucking killed you in front of your child, and you're just like, it's all right, I'm already dead, I guess I'll forgive you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think she says, like, hate the sin, but not the sinner. I think what she is more uh, more in tune with is just seeing, like, she's just so proud of the the person that Boji has become, um, although Miranjo's mom is still, or her mother is still, like, scolding her to, to do the right thing which I think makes Miranjo step back in her sort of redemption and then transports them back into the real world. One thing I wanted to clear up, though, is you get a flashback uh, in the scene where Miranjo had made a deal with the devil to prevent her death, but then that's where she gets banished to this mirror, uh, and I think the devil mentions that this was the second time that she's betrayed him.
0: Yeah, first time was when she promised as kids to never make wishes of the demon. Oh. The demon's like, every time a wish is made of me, I become more and more like a monster. And she says, I'll never make a wish of you. And then she goes back and says, sorry, actually, I do have a wish for you. Can you grant Boss's wish?
1: Okay, so that's... So, oh, uh, okay. So when when does this this second deal happen?
0: So I think that the timeline is, let me just recap this. The timeline is um, Boss kills Miranjo's dad. Mm-hmm. Feels guilty and decides to stay in that town to help raise Miranjo with his with her mom. Um all that shit goes down with the the yakuza yakuza and the homa um Miranjo's mom gets killed and then Miranjo herself gets basically like tormented by those terrible people while boss is gone doing who knows what. He comes back, sees her the way that she is, feels extreme guilt like more guilt probably than he had before and decides to take her and go on an adventure basically becoming her adoptive father so then um i don't know like then he they decide to like live a quiet life together but then he on the beach i think says you know i want to i like being strong or something about wanting to be strong um because that's something that he really enjoys so then she wants to make his wish come true because she cares about him so then she goes to the demon, saying, "Look, I know when we were kids, we promised—I I promised you I would never make a wish of you—but I actually have to break that promise. Can you please grant Boss's wish of becoming strong?" They strike that deal. The deal being, marry the giant woman, have Budgie, and you can take Budgie's strength. Mm. So then he he does that. He becomes empty. I don't know why. I can't remember why Boss got sick and died. Um, but knowing that he was gonna die, Miranjo wants to save him of again her own volition without telling him so then she kills off boji's mom allowing uh boss to marry healing bearing dida in mm-hmm. preparation for bringing him back unbeknownst to to boss does that make sense like that that timeline i hope my timeline is correct but that's kind of the timeline of events that, that have happened with Moranjo. so mm-hmm. she gets killed I think um, after like, Boji's mom is killed. Oh,
1: that's right.
0: And then she gets transported into the mirror. And I think that exacerbates Boss's guilt for Miranjo because now she's like he could protect her again. And she's either in the mirror or in that doll like version of her because mm-hmm. she can transport her soul around. So that's the second wish that she's uh, made with the demon, which then solidifies the demon's going to eat her soul when, she, when it's her time.
1: Okay, now everything makes sense. Okay, I hope I hope no, that was easy yeah, to follow because it's not e- easy to yeah. explain. <laughs> no, it's a lot easier to follow than the way that this show was presenting it. Again, with that <laughs> machete cut, and it's okay uh,
0: to do like pieces of the puzzle type, you know, I- information delivery. Because uh, sometimes it is fun to like have these small reveals where like you open up more and more of the lore, and you're like, oh shit, now I understand the motivation behind you know X Y Z. But the way they did it just didn't it didn't land.
1: Yeah, like I, it just made everyone, like myself, more confused, and probably still less likely to side with Miranjo. Uh, again, the things that she did for love, and I, it, I don't think it's a romantic connection between her and Boss. I think it was. I don't just, think so either. It was more of like her seeing him as a a fatherly figure yeah. that she cared deeply about.
0: Um, one more thing before we move to the next episode what was the point of boss hitting boji and everyone else with his club before mass healing them like was it to move them all to the same location and get some distance from oaken so that he could just do like one big old healing motion because he clubbed everyone in the face and did it as if he had like this evil look and like evil intentions and then all of a sudden he heals somebody or heals everybody so I didn't know if they were trying to like bait the audience into thinking, oh, he's about to kill them. Then, oh my gosh, he's actually a good guy because he healed everybody. I'm like, you didn't need to club everyone in the face to heal all of them. I'm like, what the fuck was the point of that?
1: And then in, at the end of the episode, he goes back to being sort of the antagonist in this moment.
0: I don't, yeah, that's this is why I cannot pin down Boss. I don't fucking understand where his character lies in all of this.
1: <laughs> I've, I think the first time when he clubbed everyone, it was just him saying, look what I can do i'm i'm a strong man <laughs> you could have done that to
0: Oaken because the guy's immortal anyway you well, did do that well to yeah <laughs> and then he does
1: that like he he pulls the big brain move to stuff Okin in the boulder uh, which
0: don't get me wrong i enjoyed uh Oaken and, and boss going against each other because boss just owned the fuck out of him i i mm-hmm. liked the display of how op boss is but I didn't need him to smack his son in the face with a club, along with everyone else who had already been stabbed by Oaken. I just felt like that was that was too much at that point.
1: Yeah, I th- I think this was just all a show of strength. Uh, again, with I feel like Boss is still somewhat under Miranjo's spell, so he his, he still has that motivation of being the strongest person in the world, and that's why he did all of these things right before uh he has to face boji
0: it was like presenting and resolving a plot twist all within like two minutes yeah
1: in episode 21 the swordsmanship of a king after discount big boss ensures mirandrick that she's still okay in his book he demands the group's loyalty lest they die trying to retrieve discount joffrey's body from him Though Best Boji feels conflicted about taking down his big daddy, he is bolstered by his companion standing behind him and shows everyone how he went to z- he went from zero to fucking hero in striking down the colossal king. Discount Big Boss breaks Mirandrick's mirror in his dying breath, allowing their souls to float on by modest mouse, but the mirror maiden's soul is fetched by the devil as punishment for taking advantage of their business dealings.
0: This fight was fantastic Uh, before the fight begins i I do want to call out the use of camera angles in this episode in particular um the big four decide to you know side with boji and go up against boss and the way that they they handle the camera angles it's kind of like from the ground up, exaggerating how much bigger the Big Four are in stature than Boji, but that difference in size doesn't stop Boji from standing tall next to them and being kind of like the bravest and strongest among the group. Um, the same group that once doubted his ability to be strong Is and this to be king.
1: Perception.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's forced perception. Um, they even say that they're siding with King Boji, not even you know Prince Boji, but King Boji. Um, so it's, it's showing that Boji is not the only one that's had a lot of character development over the course of the story. But again, I love that we're forced to see how much fucking bigger these dudes are than Boji, but Boji immediately walks up to the front lines and says, no, I'm well, he doesn't say it, but like, you know, he, he implies, no, I'm going to fight boss myself. And speaking of that fight, again, absolutely fantastic i hope it gets nominated for anime fight of the year because it's one that i would vote for who knows maybe another fight will come along that's better than this one but i really enjoyed this one not only for the action pieces of it but just the imagery and what it means to boji to actually go through this fight um i love that they did it shadow of the colossus style i think you called Mm -hmm. that out when you were watching it and it showed us uh, instead of showing us Daida, it showed us Giant Boss against teeny tiny Boji. And they had this exaggeration of how small Boji is during this fight. Um, kind of this literal and figurative way that everyone thought he was small and, and tiny and not worthy of strength and the title of king. But again, he doesn't let that size stop him from defeating his father and coming out completely unscathed. The same dude who just destroyed Oken and displayed his power and was you know, one of the top-ranked kings. Boji defeats him in this moment.
1: Yeah, it's like that song, everything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Boji was basically saying to uh, Boss in this fight. And yeah, I, I think the, the the fluidity of the animation was a little bit stilted, but it was still very captivating watching the visuals of this fight. Again, harkens back to my time playing Shadow of the Colossus, all it needed was that there's like a an epic musical soundtrack in that game that would have fit in perfectly here uh, it's called power revived by the way for anyone who's into that like video game soundtracks and stuff uh and i i also just love like the, the double meaning with the title swordsmanship of the of a king because you you think that it's it it could be applicable to boss because we just saw him display his brute strength uh in the previous episode although it it's a club so i guess it could be more clubsmanship <laughs> i mean
0: even that is uh, there are such polar opposites at play here in this mm-hmm. fight cuz again like they they exaggerate how teeny tiny Boji is they exaggerate how humongous boss is um boji's fighting with like the world's thinnest tiniest sword versus boss who's fighting with this giant thick ass club um and yeah i just i don't know it was so well done i was so impressed with this fight and i really hope it gets a lot of attention as again like a a really great anime fight from this year
1: yeah so it's clear that the, the title of this episode applies more to boji as he is the one he is the one true king uh that just dominates in this fight. Uh, I do
0: want to call it really quick, too, because of that same point that Despa, maybe in an earlier episode says that Boji's fighting style is life sparing, not mm-hmm. life taking or, or killing, which is usually what you and you know you intend with fighting and i just i love that i think that's fantastic like, same with the whole concept of being able to pierce through molecules and whatever calling it life sparing is just perfect for boji and that really is the way he intends to use it
1: yeah that's in line with what i was saying before with like boji caring for Mitsumata, the feral beasts uh with gigan that he shows a care for living things so he never wants to strike a killing blow here uh but i also love that there's a. Uh, that visual where it, it's a black screen and you see gold light kind of shining through it, uh, which is, is emphasizing Boji's untapped potential, like breaking through uh, one of the biggest obstacles that he faces, which is uh, his, his father boss who is supposed to embody like, again, he wants, we'll see, I think in the next episode, he wants to be the strongest person in the world, but strength isn't always just physical. Uh like Bulge obviously has he can dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge or whatever the <laughs> thing the is. The dodgeball thing. Um, but he has strength uh within his own terms. And I, I love that they're exemplifying that here. In episode twenty two, a promise to the demon before he becomes one with the Force, Big Boss shows his memories with Mirandrick to the real Discount Joffrey and how she took his wish to becoming the strongest man in the world way too far by making a deal with the Devil. Discount Joffrey subsequently gets his body back, and in the midst of seeing Despa leveraging the Devil's head for and sanity, decides to steal his wish by asking for Mirandrick's soul back then takes Big Boss's wish for Discount Joffrey to protect Miranjerk too far by asking for her hand in marriage. Though Despa and Desha are promised reparations for the stolen wish, the latter ends up using his new number one Osama ranking to v- make a visit to the Divine Treasure Vault to get his own consolation prize.
0: All right, so Miranjo gets saved and that's all good and whatnot. But I feel like Olken deserved to be saved before her. Yeah. I, I mean, he technically did nothing wrong and only became evil because he couldn't stop that curse of immortality and, and losing himself. He even said it to his brothers. like He's like, I don't want this. I don't want to lose who I am. Um, so I was kind of like, you know, I, I kind of agree with Despa. I really think Olken should have been saved over Moranjo. And Dida wanting to marry Moranjo honestly came out of nowhere. I, I could see them fostering a relationship because she saved him from the darkness which she initially put him in in the first place Mm -hmm. but that marriage definitely felt out of left field it's not surprising healing reacted the way that she did because i reacted the same way i just feel like maybe they should have hinted at something blossoming instead of just full-on being like i'm gonna marry this crazy bitch
1: yeah that just came out of left field and as much as like we're We're led to believe Miranjo has a redemption, even she feels unworthy of it, even though Dida pushes the point really hard <laughs> um <laughs> i I don't know like I feel like I don't know if they'll go back to the the kingdom in uh, the potential second season for a ranking of kings. but I feel like there's still a sense of manipulation in Miranjo that she, even though. Like, she's been redeemed here. Like, she could... I feel like she can still... Like, she knows that she has an influence over Dida. Uh, And I think Boss even foresees how much Dida will be of assistance to her in the future.
0: I mean, she seems remorseful for what she did by the end of all of this. But I don't know. Like, I just... I just don't know. And and I'm, I hinted earlier, I said earlier that I was going to pose a question, so I'll pose it here. I think now's a good time. So the question is, this is going to be a little bit long, but the question is, are we okay with Maranjo, given her past was so, you know, fucked up and maybe because of that she didn't have the best sense of judgment and, you know, ultimately her intentions were good and wanting to help Boss because she, she cared about him and saw him as a father, or... Does all that not excuse her decisions and and making these choices? Sometimes even on his behalf, even leading him to take Boji's power, which he ultimately regretted, and killing Boji's mom. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I just have I think back to what Boji's mother said in that world between worlds, where we I guess we have to hate the sin and not the sinner. But I personally can't sit with that i think these characters have even though it's a really weird thing to to sit with um so yeah I, my, my answer is no because at this point miranjo <laughs> has basically become a, a war criminal although i'll say that everyone in this series ended up growing like their own like character like they ended up having their own character development with the scheme that Miranjo created.
0: Yeah. um, Like, I know in the next episode, Dida says to Healing that he wants to marry her and forgives her because her past was so awful. But I'm like, yeah, but to what extent does that justify her actions? To me, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't at all. I don't think what she went through justifies her actions because she's, I mean, it seems like a functioning adult who made these decisions. and, And she needs to be held responsible for these decisions these decisions that she made and she needs to suffer the consequences and fine if you want to all forgive her that's okay but forgive her while also ensuring that she suffers some sort of consequences she can't just be forgiven and all of her sins wiped away just because they feel bad for her because look at Domas he he did all of the shit to try and win back Boji's, um you know Boji's uh, uh trust and he suffered through most of the series with being a traitor he, he mentally just couldn't handle it um, he chopped off his own hand all of these things because he just wanted to you know f- receive boji's forgiveness for like basically a one-time mistake again it's a terrible mistake but it's something that happened one time rondo does all of this terrible shit i still cannot get over the fact that she kills off boji's mom in such a horrific way right. in front of him and then Boji's like, well, I'll forgive her because boss said to. And the, yes, forgiveness is in Boji's nature, but how could he forgive Moranjo so readily when he struggles with trusting Domas again, who I think has far proven himself over what Moranjo has done?
1: Because Boji is the one true king. <laughs> so this is his full circle moment. Uh, I guess like Boji, I feel like he's always the best of us and <laughs> even though he's a fictional character um and we as humans can't can try to aspire to that level of of forgiveness and understanding but fuck
0: <laughs> i just again like it's fine <laughs> if they want to forgive her just have her suffer some sort of consequence let her or well, maybe herself in some way. is crying.
1: Marrying Dida will be a consequence. Although he's not—he's <laughs> a nice boy. Yeah, he's it's not okay. the the King Joffrey that he started out being.
0: Yeah. Well, the only reason it was like that was because fucking Moragho. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. That that's my my two cents on that. Um, as I talked about multiple times here, again, the show falls flat in explaining some of the backstory, um, in order to help us understand the significance of certain situations, and one that just I cannot wrap my head around maybe because we haven't gotten enough information around it, is that relationship between Moranjo and the demon. Like, even after watching this episode, I still feel like I barely know anything and therefore cannot get invested or fully appreciate what is happening here between Moranjo and the demon. Like, who the fuck is this demon? Why are they so connected? What the hell is happening? (laughs) I don't understand. So maybe that's also an open plot line um, because we're definitely left with several open plot lines by the end of the next episode. But I don't know. Like, I just they 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 pose this whole situation i'm like i don't know what's happening here
1: yeah i think they could have expanded more upon the relationship uh between miranjo and the demon the way i, I can kind of look at it now is the the demon just being a a physical embodiment of I, these characters uh being boss and miranjo giving into their own greed and their self-interest because, again, Boss is... Even though it's mostly Miranja's fault, but Boss wanted to be the strongest person in the world. Miranja takes that to the next level with this whole scheme. Um, And so, like, they could just start exploring the backstory of of who this demon character is, but I think symbolically that's what he represents.
0: Mm, Okay that's fine that's fair um well we also get more i guess uh, another reference to the actual ranking of kings which the clown dude says <laughs> exists for the happiness
1: of people the
0: clown he, he's a fucking clown he's got like a yeah. dunce cap on like, oh, oh, like so big yeah, that it well, covers his eyes they <laughs> make
1: him look like a court jester he's a
0: fucking clown <laughs> um but this is really the first time in a while they're talking about the ranking itself since like the beginning of the show and the show is called Ranking of
1: Kings.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they, I don't know if it's this episode or the next one, but they, they tell Desha, now that you're number one, you can pick anything from the vault. Yet another open plot line, which I think could hint at a season two. Um, the only other thing that I just, I, I love her. I want to give her more praise is, um, healing. I think after Boji and Kage, healing is one of my favorite characters in the show she's again classic Sundere, um especially in this reunion moment with boji and dida where she tries to be all like stern with them and whatnot and then just breaks down in the middle of that and hugs them out of happiness that her two boys are safe but not without being a today, where she tells Daito to shut up about being embarrassed and then yells at Boji saying, you got a problem too, even <laughs> though he didn't even say anything. Like She's so funny. She's she's great. She's one of the best moms that I've ever experienced in anime. I, I love her to death.
1: Yeah, all in all, this penultimate episode just wraps everything up in a nice little bow. And I think here, or no, I think the next one, they introduced that... Uh, the throne is going to be relinquished to boji and so you think like they all lived happily ever after in this fantasy series but that's not really the case as we'll find out and so with the final episode 23 the king and the Sun. so apparently as we just spoke about everyone is just cool with the discount joffrey and miran ship now but anyways the throne to the kingdom is relinquished to the one true king our bestest Boji, which is met with unanimous acclaim. Kage, though overjoyed at Boji's promotion, feels unworthy to remain at his side and revo- resolves to leave the kingdom, leaving our best boy feeling worse off. However, with healing's blessing, Boji relinquishes the throne back to Count Joffrey and reunites with his black-blobbed buddy as the pair set off on a new adventure to create their own kingdom though best bulgy will forever reign freely in my own heart
0: i think the most important thing in this episode and maybe i'm the only one who thinks this way but let's fucking go the shit between healing and dorshi (laughs) like i the whole time in the second (laughs) half i was secretly hoping that they would get together and then they kind of hinted at it because she grabs his arm and he blushes and I was like, well, if Boss is going to leave her anyway, then fuck it. Go be with Dorshi. He treats you better than Boss did. Like, fucking do it. I because think,
1: he's, he's her shield. I
0: think Dorshi definitely deserves to be with healing. I, I, I could totally see it, and I hope it actually happens if there's a season two. But anyway, besides that, um, I love the return of sign language. Sign language is back. Dida apologizes to Boji in sign language, and then Boji signs um, back, and everyone understands him. But then Kage reveals that Boji can read lips, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> we talked okay. a lot of shit about him." <laughs> um, In front of him, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's great because I think this is when like we get the 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 coming like the full circle of Boji's development because in the first episode, we see him walking through the town in his underwear and everyone is smiling, but they're actually saying really nasty things about him, which mm-hmm. you can assume he understood the entire time but just tried to muster through it. And here, I'm jumping around a little bit, but here at, you know, the towards the end of the episode, he's back in the town walking through and he's the king now, and people are genuinely happy for him. It's almost like a parallel situation where the first time around he was being made fun of, and the second time around people actually respect him now that they have heard about what he's accomplished.
1: Yeah. So it's like the 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 townspeople also got character development yeah. in this <laughs> moment. Um, and it it's just great seeing Boji on top, but it's obviously at a slight expense because kage uh, as i mentioned he he no longer feels worthy to be at boji's side despite being his number one cheerleader this whole time and so he tries to go off and start a life of his own but he is still perceived because there's still that stigma against the shadow clan uh, that he's part of that he is a neer do and so y- you start to wonder like who who needed who in the relationship between Bulji and Kage, and I think like the answer is they both need each other because I like Bulji is given the tasks of a king, but he can't invest himself fully, knowing that his partner, <laughs> no pun intended, his partner in crime isn't there with him.
0: Yeah, I I think the ending was was great. Bulji and Kage reuniting was adorable and incredibly heartwarming Mm -hmm. the way they animate boji anytime he's crying the way he's like flushed and sobbing is spot on especially in this moment where he jumps and you see him go from like really happy and smiling to like realizing it's kage in front of him and just going straight into sob mode was oh my god it was like chef's kiss just great animation there they really captured the emotion behind this reunion and i fucking loved it um I agree with healing that Boji does have more to experience in the world. And I think that it's a it's a little interesting that Boji's named king, Dida takes over, but then he relinquishes the throne to Boji. And then like a hot minute later, he relinquishes it back to Dida. I'm sure the people <laughs> are probably like, can you pick a lane, please? <laughs> but I, again, I agree with healing that I think she may, she may have said in the episode that in order for him to be a full-fledged king, he needs to have more experiences under his belt. Otherwise, how can you fully appreciate the things that people, the people you're leading are dealing with if you haven't actually gone through any of that or experienced any of that? Because that's something we saw with Dida in a previous episode. I think it was like a like one of Beben's flashbacks where Dida went to the town and yeah. saw some of like the the individuals who weren't of good health. And he's like, oh, look at these people. They're obviously useless. And Bedman's like, well, no, they're not. They find ways around that, which I think was hinting at you know, the way Daita looks at Boji. But here it also shows that Daita had a disconnect with the people he was leading.
1: And now he's back in power. Yeah. Well, hopefully now he's
0: learned because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's gone through some shit, that's for sure. Um, but I, I also appreciate one more praise for healing. I appreciate that she remains stern. And I think this goes beyond her tsundere traits. Like, she, she talks to Boji in a very stern way. And I think that's because being king is no easy task. She needs to be that guiding light for Boji and Daida, especially now that Boss has passed away, and teach them the realities of being in royalty. So I, I like that she still kind of like, you know, lays the smack down when it comes to teaching these boys how mm-hmm. to be king. I, I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it, it makes me curious, uh, like, s- seeing the next chapter of boji and kage's journey especially with uh, boji mentioning that he wants to create his own kingdom and what that sort of means for these two characters uh again thinking back to perception like they were kind of discounted amongst the members of of their their society uh so i've i'm wondering like if if Boji's going to build a kingdom that that kind of welcomes all with open arms uh or if you know they'll end up visiting other kingdoms along the way and and getting inspiration and what boji means ultimately within the ranking of kings uh so no announcement formally for a a season two but I, i feel like with the trajectory of the show and how much it's resonating with people um that's definitely on the horizon
0: yeah, maybe Boju will start his own kingdom for real, and then he'll be part of the ranking and have to go up against Dida. That would be an interesting dynamic.
1: Yeah. I think listening back to our last episode, uh, I think in the notes it said, like, Dida was currently ranked 90th, although I guess everything bumps up now with uh, Desha being number one. I I, I wish, that, like, they had the the ranking, like, summary somewhere, of like where all these kings are, and even just seeing who these other kings are, because we only got glimpses of them uh, at certain points throughout the show.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine with the manga still ongoing, that maybe this is the point where we actually start to transition from Bulji's story to more of the, the ranking themselves, the ranking themselves, the ranking itself. Because again, this is the title of the show, and yet we know nothing, very little about the actual ranking of kings um but one thing i want to call out because i i kept saying this to you in some of the earlier episodes i like that whoever this fucking crazy dude was had the big brain move to king oh right that that guy he had the big brain move to keep oaken's head away from his body i kept asking that i was like why don't you just chop his body up and try to pull the pieces like apart and then move them to like really random locations so that he can't easily you know repair himself and then this guy's like let me do that he just like chucks his head into a a, a pond or something and then okan's uh, kind of out of commission until he can get his head back
1: and then his head gets eaten by that sea creature so it's gonna take an eternity he's
0: gonna get shat, shat out <laughs> of that uh, the, fish's yeah, body
1: that so it's just gonna be crawling the whole time and who knows maybe in the second season uh we'll get a, another uh, reintroduction to Olgen, if he ever finds his head and what that means because that I feel like Olgen is he's obviously still an open plot thread especially with Desha and Despa wanting to bring his sanity back yeah and so that brings us to our final thoughts for ranking of kings and since this first season is completed we'll go ahead and give our final rating so how many all hail Bojitanias out of 10 <laughs> would you give this series?
0: I would give it a, a 9 out of 10. I, I think because of the pacing through large portions of the series, and I think mostly because of the the odd way they introduce the puzzle pieces of information that actually make things more confusing than than clarifying. Um, I I can't give it a full 10 out of 10, but I, I mean, 9 out of 10 is still fantastic. I, I thought it was a beautiful story, um, just like a fantastic portrayal of what someone is capable of doing in a unique way of doing it that best suits them because Boji didn't ever fall into the tropes. He never fell in line with the way people expected him to do things. He realized what his limitations were and he also realized what his strengths were and through Despa's help was able to find the best combination of things that allowed him to flourish. So I just love the whole idea of there's no one right way to do something. Um, Do that thing in the way that best suits you so that you can be set up for success. Yeah, just overall a fantastic story that had me engaged like almost 100% of the time, except for the times where I was confused about things.
1: So 90% of Yeah, 90%. The time. Yeah,
0: if we're doing 9 out of 10, I guess 90% of the time. Um, it had me like fully engaged. I love the characters. I love the art style. I love, you know, most of the storytelling methods here. And yeah, it was just a fun, fun ride that I hope we get a season two for. What about you?
1: Yeah, I would give it the same score as much as I, I love Best Boji. I would give this series a 9 out of 10. I've beaten this dead horse for quite some time in this episode in our our previous discussion, but I think the biggest takeaway from this entire series is the idea of perception. It starts with the perception that this show is more than just a quote-unquote kids cartoon on its surface level with the animation style, which is still exquisitely crafted and produced by a witch studio. And then it moves into the perception of what real strength is and the virtuous capabilities that one may possess despite any other assumed shortcomings. And so speaking of strength, I think though the, the masterminded plot that Miranjo had against the kingdom can get really muddled and convoluted in the the second core. It's the strength of Boji and his leading role that just really holds the series together in celebrating his triumphs and overcoming all the odds thrown against him. And pair that with the encouragement of his companion Kage, and that makes the two of them the real heart of the show despite being unlikely protagonists so it kind of just serves as a as a reminder not to judge a book or a boji by its cover (laughs) and so all praise be to king boji long may he reign those are my final words
0: (laughs) oh boji's so fucking cute i can't wait for this year's anime awards for him to be best boy and for that fight between him and boss to be best fight because i fucking love it It was so good but uh thank you everyone for tuning in to our part two review of ranking of kings i hope that you enjoyed this anime as much as we did because it was something very very special and fingers crossed for a season two because there's a lot left in the story that i think we can explore
1: and start scooping up those boji figures (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) i I was holding off on it because i wanted to see where the show ended up but I think I might pick one up now although the site I'm looking at all the bulgy figures are sold out (laughs) so yeah get them while you still can
0: (laughs) but yeah thank you everyone for joining us once again we appreciate it we love you guys and that wraps up episode 82 of Strictly Anime if you enjoyed the podcast and like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.